uh, it follows this, this natural process and it goes through oxygen and breaks down, follows that natural process and goes back into the soil. Uh, in a landfill, you don't have any of that oxygen, so stuff either doesn't break down or it breaks down anaerobically, meaning without oxygen. And when it does that, it creates methane, and methane is uh, not happy. So we can talk more about that later. But Austin's goal is uh, zero waste by 2040. So 90 plus percent of everything coming out of Austin doing something other than that, then send it to the landfill. So hearing that, raise your hand if you think I am a crazy hippie. <laughs> no one? Okay, man, I usually get like half the audience. So, and then I have to like justify myself. Well, y'all already bought in, great. Um, so we actually look at what's in Austin's waste to help uh, inform our decisions. So we did a study in 2015 to see what's in Austin's trash. And our 2015 study showed that more than 80% of what's in Austin's trash right now is divertible through existing processes. So the stuff we have and the stuff we know how to do with it, we can divert more than 80% right now. We just need to get it in the right place. Um, some other kind of highlights from that, 37% of what was in the trash was compostable organic material. So you kind of ask, well, where, you know, where are these requirements coming from? Well, this is right on par with national averages. National averages between 30 and 40% of what's in the trash is organic material. So again, that organic material going landfill creates problems. So rather than have that be a problem, let's see if we can turn that into a resource, do something better with it, or avoid it in the first place. So just in case you weren't bought in like that, this is my shock and awe slide. This is what really, oh man, let's do something. Okay, so uh, some facts for y'all. Uh, the, the food Americans waste each day is enough to fill what? Shout out something really big. Football stadium. The football stadium, that's a really good guess. The Titanic. The Titanic, that's another cool guess, thank you. Um, the, yeah, the football stadium is absolutely correct, the Rose Bowl Stadium. So UT just beat USC again. Um, so Rose Bowl Stadium. Every day though, that's being filled up with, with food waste. So let's see if we can do something else with that material. But it's a huge amount of material every single day. Um, okay, we've got some, some rain lately, so we're not as concerned about drought. And, you know, but we live in water thirsty central Texas. Um, so I think this is important. Now, what percent of our fresh water supplies go to producing food that's eventually wasted? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Ten. Ten percent? Thirty. Thirty? Thirty is a really good guess. So there's 25%. So a quarter of our water supplies are going to food that is ultimately just thrown out, which is very unfortunate. And then uh, this hurts Lori and I especially because we are poor city employees. Uh, but I don't think anyone is happy about wasting money. Uh, but a family of four loses how many dollars a year in the food that they waste? Can you guess it? Four thousand. Forty. Hearing a lot of us. Definitely not. It's not that much. Thank goodness. That would be like a, a crime. But still, um, it's sixteen hundred dollars a year. Just flush down the toilet with with wasted food. So again, I, I don't have sixteen hundred dollars to throw in anything, much less wasted food. So uh, you know, there's a, a huge opportunity there. And then uh, right here in Texas. Uh, one in how many people do we think are food insecure? Meaning at some point in the year, they don't know where they're getting their next meal. Three. One, in, one in six is a really good guess. It is one in seven. Um, and a high number of those are, are children, which is very unfortunate. So
so you see a lot of support. Um, you know, Anthony Bourdain came out with a documentary, uh, or helped produce a documentary about food waste, um, because it is this, you know, this problem where we have all this excess here, and then, you know, on the other end of the equation, we have the people who want that excess. Um, so looking to find ways to connect those folks. So real quick, uh, we'll talk, this is uh, a lot of what I do, so my boss would shoot me if I don't touch on this just a little bit. Um, but another facet of the Universal Recycling Ordinance is the recycling aspect. Um, so as of October 1st of 2017, all commercial properties in Austin and multifamily properties in Austin are required to provide convenient access to recycling. So these are the uh, requirements, sufficient recycling capacity, so enough recycling for folks. Um, it should be conveniently located, so wherever there's a trash collection point, recycling within 25 feet. Again, trying to avoid, you know, trash is right outside your apartment complex, and then recycling is in a dark, scary corner. No one wants to go there. Um, so making sure that folks have convenient access where they live work in Austin. And then there's a reporting requirement with that as well, um, online annual conversion plan. However, um, for a lot of y'all that, you know, either you're, you already know about the recycling requirements and have that covered, or someone else is taking care of that for you. So this is a, a, a rudimentary graphic, but uh, for, for the Universal Recycling Ordinance, that affects properties. So if you're a business within a strip center, you are the business, the strip center is the larger property. So the property manager may be contracting for recycling and trash services, they may be completing the online annual diversion plan and taking care of all that. So that would just leave for you food permitted businesses, uh, the organics diversion plan, and finding a program for your organics materials. Everything else should be handled at the commercial level. So recycling, generally commercial property manager, organics is the food permit holder. However, some of y'all may be lucky enough to be both the property and the business. So if you have a freestanding location, um, like P. Terry's comes to mind. They just kind of off on their own, do their own thing. So they do their own, they're contracting for their own recycling and trash service, um, and they're also the food permit holder. So they would get to do the organic diversion plan and the annual diversion plan. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick look at both of those to show you what that is, but it's basically a survey where you're telling us what you have in terms of recycling or organic diversion. Just, just your way of saying this is how I'm meeting the requirements of the ordinance. So, uh, businesses affected by the ordinance, um, as of October 1st of this year, all food permit businesses in Austin will be affected by the ordinance. So here you can see some different examples, but basically it's any business with a food permit that is within Austin's full purpose jurisdiction. If you have locations in Brown Rock, Pflugerville, if they are outside of Austin's jurisdiction, then those, uh, those businesses are not affected by the ordinance. It's just ones within Austin's full purpose jurisdiction. If you have questions about, well, this one's right on the edge, right on the periphery, shoot me an email, I'll be happy to look that up for you. Um, but, you know, the food permits are Austin Travis County, uh, and so you know, if you're out in the county, you may not be within Austin's full purpose jurisdiction, so it's always good to check. Another good indicator is you will get a letter from us. If you get a letter from us, that location is likely We've modeled our, uh, or when, when looking at an organic diversion program, um, what makes the most sense for your business, we recommend folks follow the EPA's food recovery hierarchy. Um, so kind of this is the, the highest and best use of materials. So first and foremost is source reduction. So looking to reduce the 
composting is, is fine and good, but if you can uh, get that food and give it to someone who wants it, that's way better than just putting it in a bin and turning it into some soil. Um, feeding animals after that, industrial uses, we won't really get into that too much. Composting, and then uh, the least preferred method, obviously, is landfilling uh, excess food. So, if you don't pay attention to anything else today, this is the, the one slide to remember to take a picture of. This is the stuff that you need to know. What are the bare minimum requirements of the ordinance? Uh, provide on-site access for employees for organic diversion. Uh, have signs and labels. Um, so if you have a food donation program, you know, having signs. We have some on our website that you're welcome to use. English and Spanish, post those up. But basically, you know, can you point and say that's, you know, that's what we're doing. So signs and labels for whatever the program is. Annual education, just like you wouldn't put a new employee on the cash register or behind the grill without at least going over a couple of things. You know, uh, you want to let them know, hey, here we take leftover food and we put it in a box in the cooler and then we're going to donate that once a week, whatever it may be. But letting folks know kind of how, what, and where to, to divert on site. Food uh, is raw fish. Can you donate that? Yeah, so we have some food donation guidelines up here, and it depends where you're donating it, but if you have, yeah, meat is definitely, protein is a, a highly sought after commodity to be uh, donated to food banks and, and things like that. Um, and then the last requirement is an organic conversion plan. Again, like we talked about, um, in order for us to know what you're doing, you have to report it. Um, it's a quick survey, and we'll look at that in just a second. Uh, the, the plan opens up starting October 1st, is when you can get in there. And the earlier you do it, uh, the nicer I'll be about helping you. Uh, the, the drop dead date is February 1st, and uh, our phones are just exploding by February 1st. Please don't wait until February 1st. Um, and again, nowhere in here does it say you have to compost, but if that's what works best for your business, then go for it. So a few different options to consider in terms of organic subversion. Um, options include source reduction, feeding hungry people, feeding animals, composting, and then other diversion options. So we'll go through each of those and talk about what that could look like. And then, you know, hopefully on thinking how this would relate to your business and which one of these are most applicable. So source reduction, uh, again, is just stopping the waste before it started. So you can look at something like a formal uh, inventory uh, process. If you, if you work for a larger organization, you probably already have processes in place. Um, if you're a smaller food truck, something like that, uh, maybe inventory, y'all haven't gotten there yet, definitely uh, recommend doing that. You can also look at a formal food waste tracking system. Um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but like an Excel spreadsheet or something like that where you say, okay, what's being thrown away? How much of it's being thrown away? And why is it being thrown away? So if you see, uh, you know, every Tuesday, y'all get a, a truck of tomatoes and Tom unloads the tomatoes and I, I drop a box every Tuesday. Then maybe you need to go back and say, hey Tom, I think you're going a little too fast on the truck unload. You seem to lose a lot of tomatoes every Tuesday. Um, and that can help better inform your, uh, your training and education for employees or look and see where those opportunities exist. Um, I think it's a great exercise to just see what's being thrown out. Because when you know what's being thrown out, then you can say, why is this being thrown out? Is there something else we can do with this or is there something we to avoid that waste in the first place. Um, another thing, you know, I was talking to someone and he was, uh, he has a Mexican restaurant. And he was saying, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? 
it's not my fault the customers don't eat their rice and beans. Like half these people don't even want rice and beans. And it's like, well, you know, you don't have to think of this like huge, super complicated thing. It could be something like asking folks, would you like rice and beans with that? And that's source reduction. Uh, that is eliminating the waste before it starts. And now you have a, a Mexican restaurant who's no longer wasting all these rice and beans because they're asking folks. Um, so things to consider. You can also feed people or feed animals, so food donation programs, um, donate to local nonprofits or uh, animal producers. Uh, donating to farms, it's, it's, we found that it's usually uh, a more relation, uh, relationship-based system, so you would likely already know the farmer or work with them, uh, but if you are like a farm-to-table restaurant or something like that, and you haven't started doing something, uh, you know, donating food to your farmer, see if that's something that they can take. Oftentimes, they're really happy to, to take uh, food scraps or uh, you know, leftover organics and compost that on site and then turn that into more food to sell to you. Um, donations have to be regular. It can't be you know, a once a year food drive or something like that. It should be an ongoing program to regularly divert waste away from uh, the landfill. And then uh, a lot of folks are concerned about liability when it comes to food donations. Um, that's one of the biggest myths with donating food is like, well, I don't want to be sued for donating food, so we're just going to throw it all in the trash. Uh, there's actually a, uh, a, a federal law, the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act, that says businesses that donate food in good faith are legally protected. Now, everyone in here has their uh, food handler's license. So we know what safe food handling practices are and not safe food handling practices. So if you left uh, you know, a box full of chicken out in Texas heat for an afternoon and go, ah crap, I can't serve that to anybody, but let me donate it. We all know better than that. Um, and Lori's gonna reinforce that message here in a minute. Um, but we know what, what safe food handling processes look like and what's unsafe. So as long as you're donating in good faith and not grossly negligent, you are protected. Um, and then we have food donation guidelines uh, over there. They're on our website. The city's Office of Sustainability created those. So feel free to take those if that's something you're interested in. Another option is composting. And composting, you can look at either on-site composting or getting a commercial composter. Um, so on-site composting would be, you know, you get a tumbler, you have it uh, in your bar in the back of the restaurant, and that's good for fruit and vegetable scraps. Uh, you can also take stuff to a community garden, um, but things to consider is, is what type of uh, what type of discards you have. So if I'm a barbecue joint, I got a lot of leftover ribs, brisket, stuff like that. Um, a, a backyard composting or on-site composting system does not get hot enough to break that down, so you just have some meat hanging out in your backyard for a while. That's not cool. Um, so keep in mind what kind of discards you produce, uh, what space that you have available. Uh, if you are in a small strip mall, on-site compost is probably not gonna work. Um, but if you, so if you wanna look to uh, have a commercial composter, you know, a company who's been doing this a while, um, kind of take that, they can actually take the bones, dairy, stuff like that. They have, you know, large industrial facilities with huge compost piles that heat up hot enough to break down any organic material. Another quick question. So we have a uh, on-site compost, but I see people throwing it um, in bin liners as well. Should you just put the food in on its own? Yeah, um, let's talk afterwards. Okay. I'll go get all bins and compost. Uh -huh. 
here to a list of licensed haulers. So if you're looking for a company and you say, I, you know, composting makes uh, makes sense for our business, that's what we want to do. Um, I, you know, just point me to someone who can take care of everything for me. Um, then check out our website. But this one is a little wonky and gives you this monster list of, uh, of businesses. So I highly recommend you grab a business card, shoot me an email. Austin Resource Recovery doesn't manage that list. Um, but I do have kind of a short list of the right people that I can send you to. Um, so let me know if you're interested in that. Business cards are over there by Stacy. Um, other ideas to consider. So you are in a room full of your peers. Some of uh, some of y'all may have already figured this out. Uh, so definitely talk to each other, share resources. Don't feel like you need to reinvent the wheel. Um, see if there's an opportunity to share collection services. So rather than everyone have their own dumpster for trash, recycling, and composting, um, you know you could look at sharing for between uh, a couple of businesses or within a, a larger center if that makes sense. Or you know if you're looking at food donations, um, if Lori's business has you know two two to five tacos a week that they have left over, um, you know that's not something that is going to attract a, a bunch of groups to want to come pick that up. But Lori's got a couple tacos and I have some leftover bread. And this guy's got some leftover donuts. You know, now we have something pretty attractive, right? We have uh, we kind of pool our resources together, um, and we can demand a little bit more service for that. Um, you know, at, at the at the end of the day, uh, it comes down to looking into what y'all are throwing out and seeing what else can be done with that material. And at at the very minimum, doing something other than throw everything in the trash. Um, right now, the ordinance requirements, I mean, we, we went over them, they're not super rigid, right? It doesn't say you have to compost on a twice-weekly basis. You have to donate all your food to the food bank. It just says you need to do something with your food other than put it on the trash. So right now, pretty loose. The way, you know, the way these ordinances go is we react. So 37% of what's in the trash is organic material. So we have an ordinance that says, hey, do something with organic material other than put it in the trash. Um, we're going to go back and do another study, and if we find that it's you know the same stuff is still going to trash, then there might be more search requirements. Um, but y'all have an opportunity right now to see what fits best for your businesses and design a program uh, that follows that. So, quick sneak peek at what the organic conversion plan looks like. A lot of folks think an organic conversion plan you have to have a PhD and you have to draft up this formal document and cite your resources. You don't. It's literally a survey, business name, information, food permit number. If you need your food permit number, we're gonna send you a letter that has all this information on there. Um, the second page, so does your business have size? Do you educate employees? Um, you know, what do you do? Do you do you source production? Do you donate to people? Do you donate to animals? And you'll enter a little bit more information. And I know this is really small. I don't expect you to see and go, okay, this is what's on page one, this is what's on page two. But it's just to give you an idea that it's not this huge, awful thing. It should take about 15, 20 minutes, not that bad. Um, but if you were to say that you donate uh, food by feeding people, it says, okay, what, what do you donate? So you may say, I donate bread. How much? 10 pounds. Uh, how often? Uh, you know, two times per week. And the categories, it's a little, it's flexible, so you could say, I have 10 pounds, or you could say, I have one five-gallon bucket that we donate every, you know, every week. Um, so there, it is flexible, but if you run into challenges with that, let us know. But it should allow for a variety of different ways to report, either in containers or by pure size or weight. And that's not available until October 1st. October 1st, exactly. Um, and then at the very end, it will tell you 
So you get a summary and it'll say, yes, you are meeting the requirements, great job. Or you get a red message that says, nope, didn't quite get it, give Tom a call, let's figure this out. And then you sign your name and submit once, uh, once everything is, uh, you know, is finalized. Um, but if you're not meeting those requirements, give us a call, we'll figure out what you need to do to get there. So in summary, what are the requirements? On-site access for employees for organic diversion, signs and labels, annual education, organic diversion plan starting October 1st. We have tons of resources um, on our website, uh, so feel free to check that out. If you want to have your own graded stuff, you're welcome to do that, but you're not, you know, don't feel like you need to hire a graphic designer just to meet the requirements of this ordinance because we've done hopefully a lot of the work for you. Uh, lastly, we have a zero waste business rebate. So once you have your program in place, if you want to do anything to go above and beyond minimum requirements, um, so you want to buy an extra cooler so that you can freeze at, uh, you know, leftover fish and donate that, we'd be happy to work with you to try and help you all find ways to go above and beyond and do even more in terms of organic subversion or recycling. So that's the end of my presentation. Uh, I will take some questions while Lori gets her presentation set up. And Stacey, I think Lori might be I'm not calling you, but I promise we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain what happens yes. to the compost once it's been composted? What does it do for? Sure. Uh, so it, it definitely depends. So I, I compost in my backyard, and I just put fruits and vegetables in there, turn it over, and then when it's finished, it's like a dark kind of dirt-looking material, and you can put it on flower beds, you can put it on grass, help save water, help provide nutrients. Uh, it depends. If you're using a, a larger commercial facility, they're going to turn that compost into, or they're going to turn that uh, material into compost and then sell that in bags um, for you and I to go buy and put on our roads. Does the city of Austin sell their compost? Yeah, they actually, they sell it at like Home Depot. Oh, they do. Okay. It's like discounted too. It's well, so we uh, we don't process our own compost. We send it to one of the large composting facilities. But yes, they they turn in compost and sell it. I see in the Canada they do like recycling and compost separate. Mm -hmm. But whatever you eat, it's waste, they put it inside. Mm -hmm. So this is like that, you can do it like compost. Mm -hmm. You can, yeah, definitely. And, and the city's rolling out composting citywide. So she said in Canada, you know, she's seen that everywhere is kind of recycling, composting uh, is, is already set up there. And they're a little bit ahead of us, definitely. Um, but the city is rolling out composting citywide. So, like, you have your, you know, your brown car for trash and your blue car for recycling. There's also green car for composting. Okay, I'm going to take one more question and then we're going to let Lori uh, go. And I promise I will stick around to all the questions are answered. So, yes, in the back. Um, so I don't see any reason why you couldn't donate those, um, but there's so we have a there's a different uh, there's a list of like organizations you can donate to, and you know some may say oh you know we want to feed vegetarian people or we may want to do this so check with them, but I don't see any reason why fresh juice would not be able.